lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the program, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show over on MeWe. Gab and Parlor. Look for Steve Dace there. And if you love censorship, and who doesn't, right? Go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Jam-packed Wednesday in store for you, of course, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation himself. Daniel Horowitz will be here later in the program. We will play our fun little game of buy, sell, or hold, where there will be lots of uh, juicy nuggets uh, for us to unfold But before we get to all of those zany hijinks, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by an update on the prophets of panic. We'll start with the high priest of the Branch Covidian cult, Dr. Anthony Fauci. You and I are uh, Major League Baseball fans. Uh, What inning are we in as far as this COVID pandemic is concerned? We're at least halfway through. I I hope we're seeing and and I do believe uh, uh, Wolf, I'm not trying to be overly uh, enthusiastic about what's going on vis-a-vis the vaccine program. So you think the seventh, the eighth inning, the late innings, what, what inning are you talking about? Uh, how about the, the bottom of the sixth? The CDC has some new guidance on how summer camps for kids should be run, including the recommendation that everyone over the age of two wears a mask unless they're vaccinated, continued social distancing of three feet and cohorting of groups of kids. Fauci had some thoughts on that, too. I wouldn't call them excessive, uh, Savannah, but they certainly are conservative. President Biden. But there's one fact I want every American to know. People who are not fully vaccinated can still die every day from COVID-19. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf says he's ending all COVID mitigation orders for his state on May 31st, except for masks. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was asked recently when she expects people to stop wearing masks. Now it's standard fare for people to wear masks. I think that's going to be um, something that we see here in the U.S. for probably at least the next year, if not further. Checking in on the tiny island nation of Seychelles, whose nearest neighbor is Kenya, 1,000 miles of Indian Ocean away. One other trivia tidbit about Seychelles is that they've vaccinated more of their population than any other nation on Earth. And they're heading back into lockdown because, of course, they are. Health Minister Peggy Vado says, Despite all of the exceptional efforts we're making, the COVID-19 situation in our country is critical right now, with many daily cases reported last week. Speaking of island nations, National Review columnist Kevin Williamson advocated in a piece recently America should implement New Zealand-style forced quarantine camps. The Alabama Public Health Department tweets on Star Wars Day, quote, Darth Vader wears a mask to help himself. Thank you for continuing to wear a mask to help those around you. Luke, help me take this mask off. 
Daily Defiance first to the land of Lockdown Barbie, Michigan, where Roy and his wife Lori shop at a Meyer grocery store with no mask. In California, Michael and Susie went into three establishments without a mask and had no problems. And in New York, Doug and his family just went about everywhere around town without a mask. Moving on, and for some thoroughly unsurprising news, one of the jurors in the George Floyd Derek Chauvin case is defending his decision to attend a racialist march last year in Washington, D.C., juror Brandon Mitchell told the Associated Press, quote, I just thought it was a good opportunity to be a part of something. This news comes after an alternate juror was interviewed by a Minneapolis TV station a couple of weeks ago and said she feared riots had she served under the jury and returned a not guilty verdict. In completely unrelated news, the attorneys for former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin are seeking a new trial. His attorneys said the court made several errors in handling the case, including, quote, abuse of discretion that deprived the defendant of a fair trial, prosecutorial and jury misconduct, errors of law at trial, and a verdict that is contrary to law. Kamala Harris says the root cause of the ongoing don't call it a crisis at the border is the lack of climate adaptation and climate resilience. Facebook's oversight board announced today they are not going to allow Donald Trump back on the platform due to his continued questioning of the 2020 election results. In completely unrelated news, do a Google search for news stories from late last year on how many people voted in the 2020 election. You'll find the number is around 159 million people. Well, according to the just completed U.S. census, only around 154 million people voted in the U.S. election. That's a difference of around four to five million million votes. Previous year's censuses have basically had the total voting number pegged as what was reported after the election. So what could explain this discrepancy? It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. And finally today in coronavirus history, May 5th, 2020 is the day Neil Ferguson, who published the infamous Imperial College London COVID doomsday model predicting over 2 million American deaths from the virus if the country didn't lock down, resigned from his government post after it was revealed he had violated his own lockdown recommendations in order to have sex with his mistress. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Scoremaster. You know, the average American can add up to about 60 plus points to their credit score in three weeks or less with our friends over at Scoremaster. That makes a big difference, not just in the approval you're looking for for that business car or home loan, but the terms, even if you can get approved, uh, the interest rates, the repayment terms that you could get with that loan as well, maybe how much the loan amount turns out to be. Those things all make a big difference with a better credit score and ScoreMaster can make a big difference with your credit score because they take all the information that the banks have and yeah, they'll show it to you if you ask, but if you ever try to read your own credit report, I mean, uh, there are CDC summer camp flow charts, easier to read than your own credit report. That's why you want ScoreMaster. They make the data very simple for you. You will know exactly why you have the score you have and then exactly how to get to the score that you want. You should have this information. You should be in control of your finances, not the banks. So enroll in minutes. See how many plus points ScoreMaster can add to your credit score. Visit scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, uh, scoremaster.com slash Steve. In today's overtime, so a couple of days ago, we ran a, an online uh, Twitter poll of our audience asking you, would you like to see Donald Trump be the Republican nominee for a third consecutive time in 2024? 
We did find an example of someone who had been the Republican nominee three times, Richard Nixon. But it wasn't concurrent. All right. He was the nominee in 1960, lost a bitterly close election to JFK, which was probably stolen. Uh, and then uh, was the Republican nominee again in 1968 and 1972 in his presidential reelect. That's the only other time someone has been the GOP nominee three times. But no one has ever done it concurrently with the grand old party. So we asked you, would you like to see Donald Trump be the nominee for a third time or someone new? We didn't put a face on the someone new. And I thought it would be fascinating giving the conversation we had about that in the overtime a couple of days ago. And again, remember what is said in the overtime stays in the overtime. That's why I want to subscribe. Um, but I thought in light of that conversation, let's go ahead and put a specific name on a name on it. And so it just closed the polling results of our Twitter following. Would you rather Donald Trump be the 2024 Republican nominee or Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida? Those numbers are in. We will discuss them later today with the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. You can get that later today. We will record it right after today's program for you at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E. And if you're not yet a subscriber to Blaze TV, today would be a good day to, to rectify that oversight on your part. Go to blazetv.com slash dace, and that's also where you can get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV today so that you get all of our exclusive content each and every day right here on Blaze TV. All right, let's get to what is in Aaron's montage. Um, can, can I beg a question right out of the gate? By have, all means, I you can't may. Wait. Yes. For I am just a simple Blaze TV show sidekick. But <laughs> did did I hear correctly that it, is it now the official position of the U.S. government via the census that there was voter fraud to a tune of 5 million votes? Did, again, I'm just a simple man connecting simple dots. But is that what I heard? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's okay. And we were going to get to that. I couldn't wait. But I need to know. I got to I, know. I totally get it. You, you know, I've brought this up before. There's, you know, and, and it's a good time to reset it because Aaron included a clip from Oliver Stone's JFK film, which is a great film, by yes. the way, even if you don't buy anything he's selling. All right. I mean, that is, it's a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. It's the first time I ever spent three hours in a movie theater in my life watching a film. And it was actually the first non-Star Wars Superman film in my life. I went back and paid uh, repeatedly to see in theaters because I just found every time I watched it, there was something else in there I had missed. I agree. Okay. It's fantastic filmmaking. But um, one of the... Um, one of the things that's funny about the, the, the Kennedy assassination conspiracies is it has actually been the official position of the United States government since 1979 that Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone in assassinating uh, President Kennedy. Um, it, this almost never gets reported. It, it, it's like we went from right to the Warren Commission to like the Kennedy conspiracy books and movies in the 70s and 80s and 90s. But in reality, in 1979, the House Select Committee on Assassinations reopened the investigation. And what it found, the official U.S. government position is now that Lee Harvey Oswald did kill President Kennedy, but he did not act alone, meaning there were co-conspirators in setting up uh, the shooting at Dealey Plaza there in Dallas in November of 1963. Um, with the U.S. government along those same lines. What the U.S. government to do is doing today unofficially with this census is they're, is they're confirming one of two things is true. 
the census sucks or there was or um Woder Garf is wheel is that what I can I say that so we don't have to edit this entire segment out of uh, USA out of uh, uh, YouTube later today do you know um sure yeah, Woder we'll, we'll, we'll Garf Woder Garf is wheel <laughs> okay <laughs> should do ping latin next all right. So the, one of those two things is true. Can you blink Morse code with your eyelashes? <laughs> okay. So either either the U.S. Census Bureau just sucks. By the way, do you guys recall what was Joe Biden's popular vote margin of victory? You guys remember what it was? It's around four or five million. Yeah. Yeah. What was the census said it was short on how many votes? I believe it was right around five. Weird. Nothing to see here, right? Nothing to worry about. Um, but Woder Garf is wheel, or the U.S. Census Bureau sucks. Now, in all honesty, we have to admit both of those options are possible. Correct? Equally. Equally. Yes. Uh, they they are equally possible. That being said, as I have discussed on the show numerous times. I don't, I don't need to know about whether, uh, what a, I don't even need to know that the, a company, the name of the company that did these digital voting machines. I don't have to even know. I don't need to know what their, um, uh, the, the integrity of their network is. Can it be hacked by the, by the Shycoms or the aliens the Pentagon keeps admitting daily exist, but we don't care about. I don't need to know any of that. Remember, I kept telling you from the day after the election, what did I tell you? I just needed to do the what? The math. The math of the, of the election does not add up. The math doesn't add up. And you can tell me, well, Steve, you have to dynamically score this election mathematically because the mail-in voting, and, and there, are, there are great friends of mine who believe this and have told me this in arguments we've had about this privately. Names, names you would know, okay? Bigger names than me as well. You have to dynamically score the math of this last election because of two outlier factors, I was told. The personal unpopularity of Donald Trump that is, of course, if you assume all of those approval rating polls are correct by the same people that told you Joe Biden was going to win Wisconsin by 28 points. Okay. That, that's if we're assuming that. That's if we're assuming that that is true. For the sake of this argument, I will. I don't believe it's true, by the way. But for the sake of this argument, I'll, I'll stipulate to that. That that was one factor. And then the other factor was the mail-in voting allowed Democrats to reach a section of their base that previously, they won't tell you this, but they're really saying, we're too dumb to show up on election day and vote. Okay. Then, if that's the case, Joe Biden should have won by more. Meaning, what just happened to go down in seven or eight counties where Democrats have complete and total control. Why, if, if, if those are the two, if those are constants and it's not parochial concerns, 
If it's if it's a, if those are two meta constants, a uniquely unpopular, personally uniquely unpopular president. Now I agree that he was uniquely unpopular, given how popular his policies were, which gets to the Facebook issue. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we're talking about as if do I believe a president who presided over the first wage real family median income wage growth in this country since at least the dot-com boom by some calculations I've seen and going back to 1969 by other calculations I've seen. Do I believe that that president is historically unpopular? No, because he got more votes too, a lot more votes than he got before. So he, he managed to grow both parties' bases historically? Maybe he is Cheeto Jesus then. I mean, he, he, did, he did both. He did it both. He did it for both. He grew both parties' bases historically. It's amazeballs. Except it's not. That's why it's a scam. So if we have these two meta factors, they're meta factors, which means they're transcendent over what's happening on the ground, right? Yes. Shouldn't this have happened everywhere then, systemically? Yes. Yes. See, if it's real, Biden should have won by more. This should have happened all over the country. States like Missouri, Kansas City, St. Louis should have flipped states like Missouri. Where they could reach, apparently, in these cities where people are numbskulled, mind-numbed. Post office, what is it? Mail something a couple times. I don't know. What's a poach to stamps? How many times do I lick? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. They don't, know how to, they don't know how to post office. Do you even post office, bro? No, apparently they don't. They don't do those things, I guess. Well, if that's the case, how come it's only a handful of counties and a handful of places where they have total control? Like I look at your state of Wisconsin. The next most populous county is one county over from, the, from Milwaukee County. They operated the postal service system just fine. The next county over. They're just uniquely stupid in Milwaukee County. Uniquely dumb. Uniquely dumb. They just they they don't know what how to put something in a mailbox before a date. They're just uniquely dumb in Milwaukee County. Not as dumb in the the next county over. Every state where there were major urban centers with legions of Democratic voters, this should have happened everywhere. They should have flipped Texas. Should happen in Dallas and Houston. Should have flipped Missouri. Should have happened in Kansas City and St. Louis. Should have flipped everything. Everything with everything where there are major urban centers that otherwise dominate, major blue urban centers that otherwise dominate the rest of the population base, they should have flipped all those places. Because was, weren't those constants available everywhere? Right. Right? How come it only happened in these handfuls of places? Weird, huh? Very. Very weird. Wodergarf is wheel. Or the U.S. census is, is, is really, really terrible too. But again, I, at this point, I, I, to me, this is actually the better explanation than trying to um, analyze what happened in that election prior to this information. Like I, I could have, if, 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 if the census information had come out earlier, like, you know, like a day or two later, after the election. And then some of the people I know that, that are friends of mine that are names you know in the audience were then trying to argue with me against this. I would have looked at, I could have, I could have accepted, all right, the census just is terrible, 
right? Are we counting non-citizens, citizens, right? Do we even know, right? Right. But the fact that we don't get this information until six months after the election, I, I, I no, no. That, that, I told you from the morning after on Glenn Beck's show in a rant that got the entire Blaze network demonetized from Facebook for a period of time. I told you the morning after this election, the math doesn't work. I don't need, not to say that there's not, but I don't need some specter of a nine level ring of, of, of uh, voter uh, conspiracy. I don't need any of that. I just need to look at the math and then watch in those exact places where Democrats counted the ballots, they threw people out from monitoring the ballots. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't need to know a quadratic equation, folks, to, be, to figure out how 2 plus 2 equals 4. 1 plus 1 equals 2. That's what happened here. Allegedly. Because Woder Garf is wheel. Which brings us to the Facebook story. See, these two stories are tied together. Facebook is, but not really in the way Facebook claims. They did Donald Trump a huge favor today. A huge favor. On three different levels. Number one. Donald Trump's policies are much more popular than Donald Trump is. Given how he often used social media, which was essentially providing content for his opponents or the media, but I repeat myself. You know, as a candidate, it benefited him greatly because he reset their narratives, right? Right. What we saw when he got into the presidency is the opposite was true. It reset his narrative, meaning they would often not be talking about the accomplishments of their administration because it would just be a back and back and forth mudsling between him and the media. He'd take the bait. He never left campaign mode from a messaging standpoint. He just stayed there. And so it was just constant mudslinging with the media back and forth that irritated a lot of people who otherwise should have voted for him. That's not happening right now, though, is it? Right. No. And now you're watching, you're watching your taxes go up. You're watching the cost of gas go up. You're watching the cost of everything now go up. Young, successful couples that both have professional jobs, like the McIntyres on the other side of the studio here, are renting homes instead of buying them because those are going up as well. Those are skyrocketing, too. Everything's going up. Immig- illegal immigration at the border, is that going up? That, that's going up. Bigly. Everything bad's going up, okay? And his policies look a lot better right now, don't they? Yes. If I just, if I just went out on the street, just canvassed the street and said, which of these policies do you agree with and put no names on it, he, his would win in a landslide. But then the minute his name gets mentioned, a certain percentage of Americans who actually could critically think cease doing it. And given the fact we have a declining percentage of Americans who can critically think at all, we can't afford to lose a single critical thinking soul at this moment. (laughs) But that's what his name does. It's a galvanizer. It does do that. So, 
now you're now you're getting really all of the in all of the impact of his policies from the reverse angle since we're undoing them looks like netanyahu has lost in israel by the way so a new government's forming there a year ago at this time we were you know netanyahu was visiting the the saudis and and the and you and you united arab emirates right that's what was going on a year ago at this time now he's looks like he's out he's prime minister of israel So now that now we're now we're living through the impact of his policies being undone. But we're also now not like getting dragged into how much of my time do I waste today responding to or reacting to the daily soap opera between Trump and the media that means ultimately nothing to nobody. That's not getting paid by other by either end of the of the urination contest. No one else really cares. Doesn't help them pay their mortgage at all. Right. Right. So the personality aspect of this is gone. And now it's just about policies. He looks like, regardless of what you thought about him personally, he looks like a hell of a lot better president sitting here in May right now than he did May last year, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, because May last year, he was still in the throes of making the worst management decision of all time, shutting the country down. But now you actually see what had happened if, dude, we were sitting here complaining last year at this time, fire Fauci, fire Fauci, fire Fauci, right? Last yes. year at this time. And they finally figured out about August, they turned him into stapler guy and brought Scott Atlas in. Now you're finding out what would happen if the other guys were in charge. Canonize Fauci, canonize Fauci, beatify Fauci, beatify Fauci. You get the, it gets even, it's far worse. And we're seeing that across the board on virtually every issue now. So keeping him away from him making it about him makes him better they're doing him a favor because i think we all know self-restraint is not one of donald trump's strengths as a person secondly man victimization is the number one thing to sell in american politics from the left or the right to get canceled to be victimized to be banned that's the number one selling point man he gets to play the victim card which he plays it as well as anybody on the right I have ever seen. So so fit right into that motif, right? That you, you, you're furthering Donald Trump's brand. I'm so dangerous, they all have to ban me. It helps him to also then, it helps the billionaire to then look at the average American and say, the same people that hate you also hate me. And it's true, right? So I mean, it's a tremendous political branding benefit to Donald Trump. So number one, you restrain him from his worst impulses. So we're just getting the decision-making without the persona. The decision-making, everybody liked. The persona was was very divisive. So now I'm just getting all the parts about Trump that I liked and none of the stuff that I didn't, right? I don't have to right. look at all that stuff every day all the time. Number two, he's getting branded again with the average American. The same people that hate me hate you. I just fly in a bigger plane than you do. But it's, it, that's tremendous political branding. He gets to brand himself as the victim. And then number three, this just essentially creates more of a market demand for whatever social media platform he will launch later this year. No, what they should have done, if they really don't want Donald Trump to be president again, and they want his social media platform to fall flat, to be more um, Trump wine than Trump tower, is restored him fully to all of these platforms. Hand the arsonist matches 
and then just get out of the way. That's what they should, or the pyromaniac maybe is a better analogy. They should have handed the pyro the matches. They said, you know what? It's all yours. And they just watched, watched him start fires with it. And then they could have humiliated him every day with that's that's not true that, you know, put their little disclaimers on his post. Right. But keep him around. Banning him is a is a is an all positive on every level for Donald Trump. It helps him uh, to restrain his weaknesses, which he struggled to do as president. And it accentuates the positives that he had as a candidate at the same time. You have any thoughts? I think. That's undeniably true, and it's just baked into the cake. They're not. We're not dealing with Machiavelli. Machiavelli would have yes. called for what you're talking yes. about in terms of yes. letting in back on. We're dealing with a cult. Yes, and therefore it you're is dealing a, with Hale Bob. Yes, not with Machiavelli. Correct. So you're, yeah. It's all in on purges. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point, Todd. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, you're you're doing him you're doing him a massive favor. Now, it it may not impact whether or not he actually does run, but it it certainly it certainly helps it certainly helps him in such a weird way. Um, as you just articulated, it certainly does help him. I think that's that's somewhat of an unforced an unforced error, if you will. But um, that's you know, as you just said, they're a cult. They're not they're not thinking that way. Yeah, I don't think you can make the argument that they did this because they know he's going to compete against them. The longer he's away, the bigger the debut of that new platform when right. he first shows up will be. If you put him in on your platform first, it almost dilutes the the allure of a new platform. It's almost a redundancy at that yep. point. Buy, seller, hold us next. You know, somewhere out there, there's probably somebody who's a big fan of that typical protein bar chemical flavor, hasn't tried Built Bar yet, might be one of the few people who prefers chemicals uh, to Built Bar. But for the rest of us that are, say, normal, Built Bar is the way to go when it comes to finding a healthy snack. I just had my Built Bar during the last break. Coconut brownie chunk, that's the one you tried, right? That I let you sample. Yes. Did it live up to the hype? It did. It did. That's why they just sold out of it again. That, that's how good that flavor is. All right. When, you, when, you, when you're like, how do I make the decision? It's like Tony Stark said, is it better to be feared or respected? Why not both? Do I want healthy or do I want tasty? Yes. We are big into the and also here on the Steve Day Show, right? We, we like compound value here on the Steve Day Show. That's why... We like Built Built Bar, high in protein and fiber, low in calories, sugar, and carbs. And I mean like three to five net carbs per bar. So any form of healthy lifestyle you're living, including keto or anything else, this is going to fit in. You don't have to make that choice any longer. As things begin to open back up, maybe you're going back to the movies, things of that nature. You're like, man, I know I'm going to give in. Take a couple of these with you. They're phenomenal. You can try them right now. Get to 15% off your next order. Maybe you've tried them before. You want to come back and try them again. They're worth it. 15% off your next order for one of our favorite products, Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T, BuiltBar.com. Just use my last name, Dace, as your promo code to get that 15% off. Promo code Dace at Built Bar. 
Com. We didn't comment re- real quick before we get to buy, sell, or hold. The whole thing with the... It, it, the it, it, what are the names of those islands again? I can't remember. Is it Seychelles? Is that what it's called? Seychelles. Right? Yeah. Seychelles. What's the innocent explanation for how cases have exploded there in the most vaccinated per capita nation on earth, which also happens to be an island nation where you would think it would be about one of the simplest and easiest places on earth to isolate from importing the virus onto your shores, right? They got a a major geographical advantage per capita, the most vaccinated nation on earth. And yet cases are spiking there. What's the innocent explanation for that? They didn't use the mask. Is that what it is? They didn't mask. Oh no, I'm just guessing. Yes. Cause that's, that's the explanation for everything except for how come the masks don't work. They didn't social distance. On an island nation. Yeah. Yeah. You have an innocent explanation for, for this? Now, in fairness, when Israel was aggressively pursuing its vaccination, they did see cases increase initially as well, and then they eventually plummeted. Okay? But that was as Israel was installing, deploying. It was at like in mid-shot. This has happened to Seychelles at full vaccination. Well, full vaccination, if it's like the flu vaccine, we know what being fully vaccinated means in terms of efficacy. Right. Also means that there was probably significant vaccine shedding, that the cure itself is the cause of the disease. Also keep in mind that the main claims of the vaccines are not anymore stopping you from getting the virus. That's why, you know, they lowered the PCR score for the vaccinated down to 28. Don't talk about that. Yeah. Is that another CD? Is that another YouTube thing? Mm -hmm. uh, Disclaimer? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I know you are. I know you are. Uh, (laughs) But um, um, they're really more or less prophylaxis. That's really what they are. I mean, their biggest claims to fame are stopping serious infection. Not necessarily from stopping you from getting it or a positive test. So... This is going well. It's going very well. President announced yesterday that the goal is to have 70% of of Americans getting at least one shot uh, in order for the country to be basically entirely reopened by the 4th of July. Including the kids. Including the kids. They continue to ignore natural immunity in their calculations. Just see yesterday, Los Angeles County reported zero deaths for COVID-19. Zero. What's that? Number two, three, four, largest county in the country. Zero COVID deaths yesterday in LA County. Where they're begging people to get vaccinated because they're way behind their vaccination trend. So... Could there be another form of immunity out there that might have occurred that would have led to such a tremendous showing today um, by the people of Los Angeles County? Is there any other form of immunity that occurs ever? I don't know. I just know that that I'll be able to tell you in like two weeks. That's pretty well, much the answer to everything. I think the yes. silver lining here is that at least Sweden has some company now at the bottom of the country memory hole. Yes. Welcome, Seychelles. 
it's been lonely. <laughs> All right, let's get to buy, sell, or hold. Brought to you by Home Title Lock. Uh, you know, we've been warning you about home title uh, theft. This is where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title so they can become the new owner. That's why we've been telling you, get home title lock. You never know when a big breach could expose you. Well, Facebook, which we've already talked about today, just got exposed. 500 million accounts in a data breach exposed to cyber thieves who now have uh, name, address, personal information they would need to log in as you. Because that's where a lot of our home titles are kept these days, online. Then they forge your signature on a quick claim deed, stating you have sold your home to them. They cash out the equity, stick you with the payments, maybe even foreclosure and eviction. Make sure this does not happen to you. Get home title lock. Go to hometitlelock.com right now. Register your address to see if you're already a victim and then sign up for 30 free days of protection while you're there to cover you during this high-risk breach. 30 free days of protection at hometitlelock.com with the promo code radio. Again, that's hometitlelock.com with the promo code radio. So here's how Buy, seller Hold works. Aaron, with some help from you in the audience, actually a lot of help from you in the audience, will submit to Todd and I a series of statements, predictions, prophecies, etc. Todd, no topic is off limits. You, will, you and I will decide, do we buy this, do we sell this, maybe even explain our reasoning. Once per episode, you are permitted a hold. But if it's for any reason other than Wow, that's really lame. You will have to walk around your local Walmart in a mask surrounded by a shower curtain like that video I tweeted out earlier today. Did you guys see that video? Yeah. Dude, that will be you. Humiliation for you if you put a hold on any of these. Aaron. We'll start with token white man who says a lesson in the class of political jargon 101 He says investments actually mean punitive tax hikes buy that's been the case. Um, the, the Clintons were the, the, the first Clinton an uh, iteration of the Clintons in the 90s. They were the first to start calling tax increases investment that they were they moved to that term it's creative. Yes. Yeah. But it, and so it's meant that ever since then. So buy buy. Yeah. Uh, infrastructure actually means blue state union bailouts by and there'll be public sector union bailouts because they don't care about the private sector union people anymore by uh, he says equity actually means state sanctioned racism by by so far man this is uh we're rounding third heading for home here yeah patriotic actually means white supremacy for god's sake yes uh, that's a, that's yeah, a buy. Well you're right about the 101 aspect of this. Yes, Aston answered. We got this. Up next, we have David, the left media, who says Mount Rushmore of college football teams Ooh. in Steve's lifetime. This, this is better be, be this, good. This better be good. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's no particular order here. 2019 LSU Tigers. Okay. I mean, you look at the amount of dominance, the quality of the schedule they played, the margin of victory that they produced consistently. The amount of guys on that team that have been selected in the last two drafts, including the number one overall pick, they're certainly in the conversation. Uh, and so I'm fine with them being there. Uh, bye. Yeah, I mean, I would have been, there's some recency bias there, but I can accept four as a starting point. Okay. 1979 Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, I'm going to sell. 
even though there's a, a there's a great story about this team uh, in the Sugar Bowl, they played Penn State for the national championship. I believe this was the year. And Penn State faced a fourth and goal on the one-yard line. And this was one of the great goal line stands of all time. Penn State faced a fourth and goal on the one-yard line, called a timeout. During the TV timeout, Bear Bryant basically said to one of the Penn State players, you need to go back over there and tell Joe he needs to throw the ball here. Y'all run the ball, he ain't getting in. And sure enough, Penn State tried to run the ball again and didn't get in and lost the game. But I would not, given the the state of the SEC in the late 70s, to me, a a team from that era has to be quintessentially dominant because of how one-dimensional many of the offenses were. Okay? So I would not put them on my list. Sell. I, I, I'm going with Steve on the, I, I mean, I know the greatness of Alabama football of legend, but I, I don't know the details of that, so I'll go with Steve. I mean, I would actually put one of the more recent Nick Saban teams there before I put that team there. All right. 2001 Miami Hurricanes. I mean, that's a team from an NFL draft standpoint and, and, and from a dominance against a schedule standpoint, stacks up pretty favorably with um, LSU. Um, from 2019. Now, the one thing we don't know, and it's not their fault, is that was a screwy year in college football where the second best team that year was probably Colorado. Colorado lost two games early in the season. And then, like from late October on, just just took names. They played uh, undefeated Nebraska at the end of the year uh, and and just named the score against a Nebraska team with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. But the way that the BCS worked back then is a Nebraska team that then didn't win its own division and, nor the Big 12 title got to play Miami in the national championship for uh, or in the Rose Bowl for the national title. And that Nebraska team just got molly whopped. Shouldn't have been there. So. We don't have that like capper game. You know what I mean? Like with LSU. They played in the playoff. You know, they played the number two team. They they played the defending national champions, Clemson, that everybody agreed belonged to be there. And you saw them mm-hmm. house them. The one knock on that 0-1 Miami team is they didn't get that final, oh yeah, we recognize it. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm fine with them being there though. I'm okay with it. Number one, uh, or no particular order, 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. I mean, this this is a this team was just nasty. Just just now, they also had some guys that were literally nasty. But you know, this is the team that had both Brooke Berenger and Tommy Frazier at quarterback. The amount of talent on that team, the physical mauling that they could provide in an era where the sport was becoming was beginning now to become more open offensively, and they kind of went old school with a triple option veer attack and just crushed you broke your just just broke your manhood um i'm okay with them being on the list which leaves a spot right correct because so you're buying on three out of four uh, buy, buy on three out of the four yeah okay you know for me on a personal level it's hard for me to overlook the 1997 michigan team just because it's my favorite team and how dominant defensively that team was but offensively, it doesn't belong on that list. Defensively, I could argue it's maybe the best defensive college football team in the modern era. When you look at a lot of its defensive stats, when you look at 
Charles Woodson winning the Heisman Trophy, but offensively, the the other side of the ball, it was good, but it, it doesn't belong in the class of those teams. Um, I would look at. See now, this is this gets to be a really, a really fun conversation when you start talking about stuff like this. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget somebody if I do this. I know I will. Um, so I'm not gonna add another team. I'm just gonna let that slot stay. Is there is there a Notre Dame team? Is there the Reggie Bush USC team? I'm just trying to think of ones that could belong. Yeah. Well, you look at the the. You look at the 2005 um, or 2004 USC team where you have two Heisman Trophy winners in that backfield of Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. And leading into that national championship game, ESPN kept doing those. Where does this team rank of all time? Right. And then they go out in the Rose Bowl and they lose to Texas and Vince Young, right? Um, but in arguably one of the greatest yes. national championship and if they, games. If they had, and if they had won that yeah. game, they would be the fourth. They'd be, clearly be the fourth team on that list. Right. Um, I, I look, you know, Notre Dame's one national championship team in this era, uh, in my lifetime, they've had three national championship teams, 73 under era 78 or 77 when Joe Montana was there. Um, that team kind of backdoored its way into a national championship that year. And then the 1988 team with Lou Holtz, I wouldn't put any of those teams in the class of the three teams that are on that list there. The year before I was born, 72 USC. A lot of people believe that was the greatest college football team post-World War II, but that's not my lifetime. So, you know, I, I can't really put it there. So th- this would be a fascinating conversation, though, for sure. It already is. Thank you. All right. Next, uh, Chattius the Round says, now that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has limited authority of local authorities in Florida, other governors will follow suit. I buy. I think you'll see other governors do this. Do I think you'll see like every GOP governor do this? Nope. Do I think you'll see two or three or four or five or six do it? Yes. Buy. Yes. I'll narrowly buy. He won't even approach the scope that he's doing it on. I just think he's cut from a different cloth, apparently. Up next, we have Jason Hayes. Bad Batch, which debuted last night on Disney, may save the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> Come on. I, I gotta sell. No, I did. I did. No, and I did watch this last night, and it. it I, w- I. I really was not even that interested in it. But then they actually did a really good job. They with it. it it's. It, they did a very. It was very interesting. They showed you the other. What was going on with Order sixty six and the Jedi from the Imperial point of view? You know, because they're one of the clone troopers, right? That was fascinating. But no, guys. Before the Gina Carano controversy the mandalorian had already accomplished this the first two seasons of that show are magnum opuses so that's already been done it's just a matter of where you stand with things after what happened with with gina carano the correct answer is star wars is dead to me we'll come back see now you know where he's at we'll come back more buy seller hold in a moment for hour two stay tuned Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe, 
Gab and Parler, although I think Parler's down. I'm not able to been able to access it all day long. Uh, you can also look for censored clips of the show over on youtube.com slash Steve Dace or look for the alternative, rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And if you're a podcast listener, we're looking for you to do a couple of things for us. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit that five-star review and put one in for us if you haven't done that either. Because the more of you that do, the more it helps to soothe our fragile male egos and the fragile male egos of the individuals who run the blaze as well, because they like positive feedback too, because we get our feelings hurt easily around here. Thank you to all of you that have done those two things for us already. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz will be returning. But part two of Buy, Seller Hold brought to you by Rough Greens. You know, we've been telling you about them for a while now, urging you to try that 14-day jumpstart bag so that you can get all the nutrients back into your pet's diet that's stripped bare out of that food that you buy at the store. Same thing happens with our food. For the same reason, mass production, distribution, consumption, and it spoils too easily with all those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, etc. included in there. Well, just like we need supplements to put that stuff back into our bodies, so does your pet. This is the supplement powder for your puppy Mixed in with their food, and our dog, Cap, loves it. But maybe you're thinking, how do I know my dog will like it too? Well, why don't you find out for free? We give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free now. You'll pay for the shipping. That's it. But the bag will be free for you to test it out for a couple of weeks and see if you don't see a difference in your pet. And if your pet doesn't like it as well, take advantage of this offer right now. Go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com, or you can just give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Again, that's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Aaron. We will go next to countdown to Climacalypse, who says Cinco de Mayo (laughs) is the ultimate epitome of cultural appropriation. Um, uh, um, Sell, because I don't believe in cultural appropriation. First of all, I'm a representative of Christendom, and we have been urban renewing uh, your pagan idolatries and traditions for many and many a millennia. All right. So, um, and if, and if we in America are adopting your traditions, that just means we're making them better than they would be in your country. So I, I don't even agree that cultural appropriation is a thing. So I'm going to sell on the premise. This is very simple. Cinco de Mayo is a poor man's midweek St. Patrick's Day, an excuse to go get blithering drunk and eat some tacos. It's not more complicated than that. Do you remember, it was like the day after Cruz had dropped out in 2016 with Cinco de Mayo. Do you remember? Is this the taco bowl? And Trump put out a happy Cinco de Mayo tweet with him eating <laughs> from a taco salad. <laughs> it's great. He looked so happy. Yes. He did too, man. I mean, he did look like the cat that caught the proverbial canary. I I saw a tweet today that I had to retweet from not Kenny Rogers. 159 years ago today, three brave Americans defeated El Guapo at the Battle of Santa Poco to give Mexico its independence. Hashtag Cinco de Mayo. And it's the three amigos. So old woman. So like the wind. Oh, gosh. Can I have your watch when you are dead? Now you're just going to get me quoting all the yes. lines. Oh. It, it, they don't make them like that anymore. No. 
Next, Crow of Approval says the government has made more people anti-vaxxers than the actual anti-vax movement. Oh, my. This is yeah. so true. This is so true. Um, I, I keep having and I'm not the only one doing this. I'm noticing other people are doing it, too. There's a lot of us that are like resetting when we push back on these terrible narratives. We're not anti-vaxxers. Now, I'm doing it just simply because I'm not anti-vax as a principle, and I'm not interested. I got enough of my own baggage to defend on the things I actually do think. I prefer not to defend baggage on things I don't think. That doesn't mean you have to think the same way I do. You don't, for example, okay? I'm not threatened by it, but I... (laughs) This is just so true. I mean, these narratives are so bad. They're, they're They're such obvious fallacies that... They don't even believe in the efficacy. If you listen to their messaging. Now, I I see more and more, I see they're starting to figure this out. I saw Tom Wolf, the governor in Pennsylvania, the lefty governor there has figured this out, right? So what did he announce yesterday? By Memorial Day, all the restrictions are gone, but the mask will remain. But he put a benchmark on the masks. He said, we get to 70% vaccination, the mask can go. Gretchen Whitmer, I think, announced a similar thing in Michigan about a week ago, right? Um... They're starting to figure out that their messaging disincentivizes vaccination. What have I been saying all along? What is the point of risking an experimental substance only to have to be remain a member of in good standing of the leper colony of COVID stand? Why, why would I do that? What, what's in it for me? Nothing. Because I'm assuming all the risk. And so are all of you. Any of you that gets vaccinated. You're assuming all the risk of this. Any of us are. You're not, you can't sue the companies that, that produce the vaccine. And since they're not FDA approved, government's not really responsible either. There, there's nobody taking really any risk here. And you could say, well, you know, um, if, if, if there was a, a, a national issue with the vaccines, it would hurt their share price. That's true. How would we know, though? Right? I mean, every time if you go on if you go on Twitter right now and say or on your Facebook page and say. I just got my first shot. I feel terrible. Something's not right. You you may get banned for that. You know, I mean, if a tree falls in the forest, but there's nobody there to hear it, did it really fall? So so the, the one entity with certainty taking risk with the injection is the injectee. That's the one entity we know who we, we, we can we can debate how much risk is really in it for Pfizer and Moderna. We can debate how that parlayed itself with what happened with Johnson and Johnson. We can debate that their risk ratio. What is not debatable is that the one the one person whose risk ratio in this is not debatable is the injectee. I don't know what your recourse is if something goes wrong. And then you're told if everything goes right. And if, again, if we're going to be honest, which is what we do on this show, truth be told, I mean, it's not the, the ratio of people who this has gone well for compared to incidents. It's just not even statistically significant. OK. But I start weighing that risk in a, in a I start calculating that risk differently when if when I if, when, if I am one of the, the statistical anomalies that something goes wrong with, I have no recourse if that happens to me. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. The calculation of risk 
knowing that if, if, if I am one of those statistical anomalies, there's basically nowhere I can go to get consideration for it. That then makes it not as much of an anomaly at that point. Now, the amount of people, though, that this has gone well for tremendously overwhelms the amount of incidents reports we have. But you're still being told. When you get on a plane, you can't be treated like you're vaccinated. When you go to a public event, you can't be treated like you're vaccinated. So I'm glad it went well for you. I am. I urged my mom, who's in a high-risk group, to get vaccinated. So I'm glad it went well for you. But understand, and you may understand this more than me because you're the one that's vaccinated. I'm not. You assumed all of that risk and got nothing, at least so far anyway, nothing in return. Nothing. You've got nothing in return. I was listening to uh, the local sports talk station in Detroit the day after the draft. Because I wanted to see what they were saying about how the Lions, what, what the local read on what the Lions did. And one of the hosts was talking about how this is the first time he's been out of his home and to his favorite sports bar. That's one of the sponsors of the show where he's been in there in person since the pandemic began was Sunday after the draft. He went in there. He figured, you know, it's been three weeks, he said. It's been three weeks since I've been fully vaccinated. I thought it was okay. And I went in there masked up, you know, just to make sure I was safe. But what, what, what science is that? It's not. There's no science. There's, not, there's no science in any of that. None. You, 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 you're fully vaccinated. You didn't, you didn't feel safe to leave your home for three weeks. And then you thought you needed a mask. There's no science in that. Unless we're just admitting that these vaccines don't work. And right now in Seychelles, they may be having that conversation. <laughs> All right. But places like Israel have seen great results once they got through the initial first jab surge. So you're accepting all of that risk. And in exchange for what? Every time Anthony Fauci talks... If I, if I told you, let me, let me actually make it narrower. Every time Anthony Fauci talks about life post-vaccination, we should do this as a game sometime. Fauci or RFK Jr., who said this? All right, so Robert Kennedy Jr. is probably the country's most, depending on your viewpoint, notorious or courageous anti-vaxxer. He's most visible. Let's mean the middle, Give, yeah. given that. That's what I mean. But given yeah. the, the legacy and everything he comes by and comes from. Yes. yes. Okay. And it, and it often puts him at odds with many people in his own political ecosystem at the same time. If, if we just took comments of what Anthony Fauci says, life should be like post vaccine after you get vaccinated right now. And I just told people a lot of these comments were from Robert Kennedy Jr. Would they know the difference? Would you know the difference? Still wear a mask everywhere you go. Treat yourself like you're a leper. I mean, it's it's a very anti-vax message from these people. So do your vaccines work or not? Todd, do you have any thoughts? Well, I would say this is the thing 
about the anti-vax movement, at least 50% of the argument has always been this side of things. The, the math doesn't add up. You're not being honest with us. Uh, and if, if the government was... Uh, and it was just then based on the other 50%, which is more a, a the pure science-based argument. Um, I just think we'd all have a much more grown-up conversation. But th- th- this level of conspiracy frustration writ large has always been at the heart of the Vax movement. And listen, my, my skepticism is such, when, when Steve says working, uh, the, the vaccine has worked relative to damage. He's... He's absolutely right. Known damage. He's absolutely right. But working in terms of efficacy, I I don't think, I don't think the timing of the release of this vaccine and how we know how the CDC, Fauci, etc., manipulate both administrations, Biden and Trump, they they would have not given this vaccine out in in a peaking uh, aspect of the. the the calendar year because we know how seasonal this is mm-hmm. they time they they know the math of this they know that this is a pandemic who it hits that it wasn't severe they they uh they uh for most demographics they know the panic porn level of this this thing was unveiled at the time it was because the vaccine because the epidemic was already on a downturn all on its own i I don't, you can call me what you want because of that. They wouldn't have risked it. Working as it means a different thing in terms of actually making this thing go away versus not hurting most people who take it. And that's always been an issue with vaccines. Thank God this thing is not hurting most people who take it. But is it actually working? A lot of people have questions, and rightly so. Next, we'll go to... Clearly, the people running the program have questions because they won't let fully vaccinated people go right back to normal. That's my point. Yeah. And yours. I know that. Mm -hmm. Next, we'll go to Stephen Grant, who says, even if Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC North, the Lions will still not win the division before he retires. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'll buy. I will say, though, I've retired for, for now. The Lions moniker, just because they're just I, I, I just I, I've been a fan for I've, decades and I've never seen them run an organization, run this organization the way they have in the last we year need or the last few months an intervention with Steve. He does this every spring, every preseason. You know, I really think things are different this time. Really? No, they're never different. We need an intervention for no, this time. They're different. Health. They're different. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to work. This time they have figured out you have to trade your star quarterback. He's eating up too much of your cap. All right. He's not good enough to get you over the hump. Trade him now before he ages. Start over. You, the, the way you build an NFL team nowadays is you tank for high draft picks that are cheap against the salary cap. Do accomplish that. I mean, the last time the Lions were a consistent playoff team, they did this actually. And that's how they got Matt Stafford and Indomitian and Sue in back-to-back drafts. So I, I, they, I, they're not operating the way they have much of the last seven, eight, nine years. That doesn't mean they're going to make the right decisions or pick the right players, but they are operating the way that teams that build successful NFL franchises do. That also being said, as to your thing, I would buy that because I think that their intent is to be terrible this coming season. That's their intent. And I, 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 I don't believe Aaron Rodgers will play another snap for Green Bay. 
I think just looking at the way that he operates, he's never the cooler heads prevail guy. Okay. Him, him putting that out there and then him coming that I'm not doing this, not coming back and then coming back later on. That's just against his brand. So I think he will sit out the season uh, and keep guest hosting Jeopardy or will force them to trade him to somebody. I don't believe he'll play another game for Green Bay because he the, 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 just the way the guy operates, putting markers down and then let me reconsider it later on. I just, when has he ever done anything like that his entire right. career? Short of a straight up Russell Wilson trade, I, I, I hope, I would love to see him not play the whole year and Jordan Love come in there. Okay, eat this. See how you like it out there. That would be fantastic. But to your point, Aaron, there is something, there's a cosmic yin-yang balancing going on. There's a direct proportion in his optimism with the Lions growing is in direct proportion of him to losing his mind with the Michigan Wolverines. So there's, there's a stability here. That's you guys are psychoanalyzing this opposite. You should know that with the lions, my 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 default lends me to being more negative. That's why I am really thrown off. That's why we're concerned. I'm thrown off by the fact that if it was another franchise, then I would be actually more optimistic about the direction they're heading because I would figure I would see that they've looks to me like they've finally figured it out. But given all the emotional scar tissue you're, I have, you're it's cl- it's hard for me to yeah, let, to grasp this. Let the professionals handle. You're too close to this. <laughs> uh, you, your analysis cannot even begin to probe how your psyche has been destroyed by the Michigan Wolverines in the last two or three years. Hey, you, watch that I, tomorrow. I mean, they're uh, going to sign like some 28th best wide receiver in the NFL for like a 30 million one year t- contract. I, I I don't know why you think Michigan football has wrecked me. <sighs> I mean, it's only we like go. we've put 21 guys in the, as, as many as LSU, by the way, 21 guys in the NFL in the last three drafts. And those three teams combined lost nine games. Uh, I'm sorry, lost um, 11 games. So they, they lost 11 games the last three years with a team with teams that had 21 NFL draft picks yeah. on them. I don't know why you think that would like wreck oh. me in any way, shape or form. I, your penchant for just piling on them right now, no matter what, is it takes my scorn for Star Wars and just it's it's nothing. I mean, you on Twitter, if there's a sign of optimism that you just f- find distasteful, you race to it and you just you know choke why? the life because out of it's it. it's it's not just the I'm, disappointment; it's the way that they market and sell us to and hype us at the same time. Geez. That's the thing. I don't like, that's what makes it personal. Don't lie to me. Don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. That's the part that I don't like. All right. Don't give me the hype and then do that to me. This isn't a bit. That's when it gets personal. This is real. I know. (laughs) The dichotomy of you guys' two faces during that whole thing. Price. Worth the price of a Blaze TV subscription, for sure. Uh, Calvin McRae says, Just as World War II spawned the military-industrial complex and America has fell in love with war-slash-conflict every decade since, COVID-19 just gave way to the pandemic-industrial complex, and we will see regular public health campaigns fought for our benefit. I, I, I just said this last week. Uh, bye. And then Anthony Fauci was on CNN two weeks ago. Gun violence is now a public health problem. Uh, the head of CDC, what's her name? Walensky, is that her name? 
Uh, she was talking about insufficient wokeness is now a public health problem. I, I yeah, that's the new hammer meets uh, is you know sees a nail everywhere it goes. It will be, and of course, we'll never actually address the real issues. Okay, like um, America's obesity problem, things of that nature, which in the past I've contributed to. That's why I've had to lose a hundred pounds. So no, nothing that in, notice none of these solutions will entail any level of personal responsibility. Any level of preventative or preemptive um, action. Hey, make sure your vitamin D levels are good for none of that. None of that. It'll include none of that. It will all be keep being the generation um, that led to WALL-E becoming a documentary and not a Pixar film. Keep being that. And then keep injecting yourself with these new drugs and and pharmaceuticals that we uh, create Uh, in order to help you mitigate all the crap choices you're making in your personal life. It'll be that. That'll be the public health campaign we wage. I'll buy this as far as it goes. It's just important to point out, though, that it's not a pure apples to apples. World War II, the sacrifice there, born out of tremendous courage. COVID was always a manipulation. That's a good point. Based on fear. We just, the the military-industrial complex that grew out of World War II. Start, it's a classic road to hell paved with good intentions. Right. One, one began from the premise of, hey, post-World War I, we isolated ourselves yes. from the world and look what happened. We can't let something like this happen again and we're facing a new, a new iron curtain to replace right. the iron cross right away. Right. And, and so that's where, uh, that's where a noble inclination Gets off the rails. Mistakes were made. Yeah. Okay. This is this is a scam from the outset. Yes, I agree. That's a great point. Elliot Evans has a Mount Rushmore of '90s country singers. Oh, here we go. George Strait. Amen. Although he, I mean, he could be on your Mount Rushmore of '80s country singers yeah. or '90s country singers, but he absolutely is on that list. Yes. Yes. Alan Jackson. Um. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a buy. You bet. Yes. Yep. Uh, Garth Brooks. Well, I mean, he is the nineties. He's the, he's the artist of that decade. Um, maybe the, maybe the pop music artist of that decade, regardless of genre. So I was taken back by how big he was when he just came to Des Moines, like four years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. And they had to add shows. Mm -hmm. He was here. Like he did like three or four shows in Des Moines. You know what he's been doing for the last year, by the way, during the pandemic, he does like Facebook lives with fans, like almost every night. And just yeah. you, you just hang out with him. He like literally talks to you, answers questions. You know, I mean, the guy understands fan service. Yeah. He uh-huh. understands who is responsible yeah. for taking a. He's an above average singer, but um, with with God given char- charisma, and he understands who's responsible for responding to that. He has friends in low places. Yeah, there you go. Well said. <laughs> yes. Uh, number four, Reba McIntyre, my aunt, actually. Just kidding. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm not a huge Reba fan, but I understand the machine she is. So I'm okay if you put her on the list. Not my cup of tea per se. You know, to me, and you could, they would make the list in the 80s too. I mean, Alabama's got to be on my list. Okay. They got to be on there somewhere. Um, In the 90s? They still had a ton of hits in the 90s. Did they really? Yeah. You know, I think... Our, the voice in our ear, Ron is right about Brooks and Dunn. I mean, they're the most successful country duo of all time. And that decade, they were at their pinnacle in the 90s. 
So I'm okay. Listen, Reba McIntyre is one of the great, best-selling female artists other than like Madonna and Whitney Houston ever. So I'm, I'm fine with her being on the list. She just wouldn't be on my list. Uh, I'm much more inclined to put a, a Brooks and Dunn in Alabama. Um, I mean, I even... I, you know, I loved Travis Tritt in the 90s, but I'm okay with Reba being on there, so I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll go with it. All right. Next, Jaron says, Marvel will never get another one of their movies to make a billion dollars again after Endgame. Oh, sell. Uh, How many Marvel movies made a billion? I'd have to go back and look. I don't know how many of the 23 off the top of my head did, but I I think I, I, I would be shocked if it was less than five or if it was less than seven or eight yeah you got to figure all the avengers films did all of them did because we're talking are we talking are we talking domestic or global box office i'm guessing we're talking the global global box office yeah Yeah, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna sell on that as long as what we talked about yesterday about what's to come holds true i think it's as likely as ever before that these movies make a billion because the vacuum of quality in terms of non-self-loathing that'll be there and you know who knows where the theater industry will be four months from now labor day weekend when shang chi comes out but don't be shocked of that if depending on what the domestic theater situation is right now i think about 70 percent of american movie theaters are open but they keep delaying films because they're waiting for new york and california to reopen all their theaters before they put the major releases back out because that's a good portion of the domestic box office is those two states but if if we're anywhere close to normal um, domestically, Labor Day weekend, when Shang-Chi comes out, what that movie is going to do in global Asian markets, yeah, yeah. don't be shocked if that's a billion dollar movie, yeah. Yeah. depending on what the domestic theater situation is. Yeah. Saw the uh, trailer for, I think it's A Quiet Place 2 coming out uh, later this month. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, the, you know how they run the little uh, review snippets uh, during trailers? Yeah. The very first one they ran. Did you see that? It's uh, I don't know who was reviewing it. said, this is the, the this movie is what theaters were made for. You're going to see a huge push from theater companies to, mm-hmm. like we saw from Marvel the other day, to get back into theaters. Uh, Ripped Deseret, uh, Deseretion. Boy, y- y'all with your names are, are throwing me off here. Who says the Pac-12 and Big Ten will require proof of vaccination to attend college football games, while the SEC and Big 12 will not. The ACC will leave it up to schools. I think that's probably right. Now, the University of Iowa is actually not requiring their student body to get uh, vaccinated. But I'm not sure sure if that's going to carry over to the athletic department. So So I'm going to buy that because I think that's probably closer to how it's going to turn out than not one way or the other. So I'm going to buy that. I'll buy it. And goodness knows I'm watching because my children's future depends on these decisions. Uh, Josh Peden says Republicans like McCarthy McConnell want us to see DeSantis or want to see DeSantis fail more than uh, Democrats and corporate media because he disproves their own mm-hmm. scam. Amen. Yeah, yeah. brother. Amen. Bye. bye. Yeah. A million times. Bye. Uh, let's see. Let's go to uh, this next one. Red's Wine says the 10 kings of Revelation aren't necessarily 10 countries or leaders, oh, no. but a conglomeration of co- corporations, tech companies, NGOs, military DARPA, etc. I kind of feel like y'all are beginning to take advantage of my. My. Um, uh, eschatology perestroika cell. I'm just on on spite. They just want to see if 
what you'll bite on. Yeah, we'll see how far I'm going to let it go. Yes. I've been giving you the wrap it up symbol for the last couple of ones because of this one that we had to get to. Christian says, Caitlyn Jenner's fallopian tubes will be the first thing Lindsey Graham gets to the bottom. Oh my God. (laughs) No. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> is that the greatest submission of all time? I think so. In the history of this segment, is and I that, remember is that to it? put it at the end too. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, and it comes from a guy named Christian. <laughs> I I feel I would I would desecrate dishonor such holy ground by lending my voice to it. I just I feel as if I just need to let that level of poignant grace and greatness and revelation. I think I just need to let it speak for itself and just stand on its own merits. Let all the angels blow their trumpets. <laughs> that, that'll preach. So the mainstream media, big tech, working it tirelessly to cover up the corruption of the Biden family, particularly Hunter Biden. And now you've got a chance to do something about it because the filmmakers behind the Gosnell movie have announced a brand new project that's a feature film called My Son Hunter that will expose the Hunter Biden scandal. You can learn more at MySonHunterMovie.com. Again, that's MySonHunterMovie.com. The movie's going to tell it all. Wild escapades, what was really on the laptop, shady foreign business deals, ties to China. Um, But the independent filmmakers can't do this without our help because obviously uh, Hollywood doesn't want to make this film. It's too controversial. Nonetheless, and this is also their political ally. So that's why they're bringing this film directly to the people to be funded by us. Any gift, $10, $50, helps expose the Biden crime family. And also the donation is 100% tax deductible. So go to MySonHunterMovie.com right now to get more information and make a donation right now at MySonHunterMovie, all one word, MySonHunterMovie.com. Let's bring in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you again, brother. Hey, great to be back with you, Steve. So I've got a couple of wind-up questions. I'm just going to dangle in front of you, and then I want to just get your your let you go. Okay. Um, the Bidens yesterday go see the Carters. They go visit a couple in their 90s, old, frail, um, not they're pictured without wearing masks. And then when they walk outside, they put their masks on for the camera. Just about five minutes ago, Vice President Kamala Harris was pictured kissing her husband goodbye before she got on Air Force Two, kissing her husband goodbye as they were both wearing masks. Your thoughts? Steve, we always knew this from day one. It's the new burqa. These people are more religious about the dogma than the Muslims, except the the dogma is not necessarily inherently doing it between you and your pagan god. The pagan god is is not like our God that you try to fear in private as you do public to, you know, the best that you can as a as a human being who's infallible. They actually have a God that is only public and on social media. Virtue signaling is the God of the era we live in. So that's exactly why this has to be done in public. That's why 
you have to wear it on a Zoom call or a husband and wife kissing each other or God knows uh, what else they're doing with the mask on. Although they would only do that maybe if they did that in public, not in private. Um, that is exactly how this has been. So all these conservatives that say now, well, you know, it's not scientific to continue with masking either outdoors or post-vaccination. Well, it's just as scientific as it was to do it indoors pre-vaccination, um, a.k.a. not scientific, immoral, um, it, it's completely illegal from the constitutional standpoint, unscientific. But um, now we know exactly what it is. And that's why it needs to be eradicated in all forms and settings. Overall, I don't want to set you up at all because I want you to take the question where you think it should go. Your thoughts on our vaccination efforts, vaccination messaging, and the effectiveness of the vaccines themselves. Sure. So the vaccination messaging um, our government is the marketing arm of Pfizer and Moderna. Um, I guess not so much J&J now because they tanked them. Uh, that's emblematic of every other issue where there is no such thing as a private sector in America. We have what I call venture socialism or corporate communism that you traditionally didn't have in other uh, forms of communism where you do have somewhat of a, a, a an independent or initially independent private sector, but it becomes one with government. Um, it, there was a billion dollars uh, allocated in the omnibus bill to market this stuff. Uh, it, it violates statute um, because it has to be marketed as experimental. It has to be made clear to people what it is and what it isn't, the unknowns, the risks. And it has to be made clear that the risks outweigh the benefits or, or the benefits outweigh the risks. Um now that they are doing it to young adults and children, uh, that is clear under anyone's science or whatever you want to call it, the benefits certainly do not outweigh the risks, the known risks. Uh, that's just where we are, Steve. Um, but they've been they've been successful. I mean, we are one of the most vaccinated countries in the entire world at this point. So it actually has been successful. I'm not sure what they're complaining about. They've gotten a tremendous market share given all the, you know, the push around it. So I would say that the holdouts now are just the people like us that are ideologically reluctant or at least have done their research. Um, in terms of its effectiveness, Steve, you know what? I was very bullish about the vaccines, not not the side effects. I was very concerned about them, but at least their effectiveness at the beginning um, I couldn't imagine they could make something that doesn't work. But the graphics are starting to look an awful lot like the masking, in which there is zero correlation between results based on vaccination rates in a geographical seasonal pattern. Uh, you have five countries like Moldova and Albania and Eastern Europe that are 3% vaccinated, unlike England and Israel and some other places. And they're just as much at near zero COVID deaths, uh, just because the vaccines came out right at a time when the winter uh, spread had peaked. Uh, remember in California, um, the peak date of their very robust winter spread was January 16th. That was before a single senior had gotten their first vaccination. That was the deadliest the day we've had as in, in America in the pandemic yet was yep. that date. Yeah. Was that date. So, 
you know, the the timing is very bizarre because we don't really have a way of measuring that. So I don't know, but I could tell you this much, Steve. There's no way it's 95% effective because we would see a jarring, jarring correlation um, between areas that have much higher vaccination rates versus those that don't. Instead, what we are seeing is the same seasonal geographical pattern that in the early spring, it was still spreading in the Northeast, but was dormant in the South that we saw a year ago. Um, so it really makes you wonder um, how effective they even are before we even delve into the side effects. Are they just flu therapeutic shots? Are they, are they work as a prophylaxis against serious infection, but not necessarily against a positive PCR test, particularly with a cycle threshold of 40. So they don't necessarily stop you from scoring a 40 on a cycle threshold, but they can play a, a definitive role in, in a, from a prophylaxis uh, standpoint. You know, like people realized, like Switzerland realized hydroxychloroquine did. Everybody wants to <laughs> attack ivermectin. And we'll look at India. Well, have you looked at India's death total, death rate? Even with their case surge, they're like 116th in the world in yep. death rate. Um, you know, so it, it you know, I, I use the analogy with my audience in Ivermectin the other day. A condom does not stop you from having sex. It, it stops certain outcomes that you probably, that you, that you may not want from a sexual encounter. That's the point of a prophylactic, right? And so you may have soaring cases in India, but keep in mind, you're dealing with a caste system. You're dealing with a population that's four times larger than ours. Its deadliest day so far was Sunday. It had about 3,380 deaths. That's, that's nowhere near what our deadliest days in this pandemic have been with four times fewer people than they have. No, I think you're exactly right. First, on India, it's important to remember that it was only certain states that were using ivermectin and they had better results. And then as, as a country, they followed the WHO and they turned against it right before the spring surge. So there had then they had the problems. Now they're actually rather than doubling down on failure like every other country did, they are turning to early therapeutics, including ivermectin, some other stuff as well, certain um, steroids to have early on. This is exactly the point. Um, it's funny how we landed in the same place. We were saying all along, we don't need to end fever and coughs and sniffles and a sore throat. I mean, that would be nice, but we don't need that. What you don't want is people that have acute um, cytokine storm where, mm -hmm. where you know they have problems breathing, where the body attacks itself, the immune system uh, completely uh, fails. That's what we don't want, and that's what all that stuff works to do. It also does block even uh, contracting it to a certain percentage as well. Um, so at best, the vaccine, for all of its risks, when ivermectin has been dispensed 4 billion times and is designated by the WHO as one of the safest, uh, most essential drugs around, uh, with all the unknowns here, we've landed in the same place. We've certainly seen some people have died um, after having been vaccinated, but let's say that is a very small number. It and is to be expected, yep. Yep. Um, but it's still kind of unknown. But now, that's the exactly argument, the, point. The, the, the argument people like you and I see face when we make this point is, given the mutation of a of a novel virus, that's why we want a robust vaccination program to stay up on how this thing could mutate in unforeseen ways. And I, there, there is some validity to that point, particularly if we're going to admit that the virus is synthetic. If, you, if we want to admit the virus is synthetic, then, I can, then, I, then I'm totally open to 
Scott Atlas's great lament, which was, why are we constantly suspending the laws of virology, immunology, and biology like we have no scientific established precedence? Well, if it's a natural phenomenon, his lament is correct. If it's a synthetic phenomenon or synthetically altered or engineered or modified in some way, then that would explain the constant fears of mutations, right? But since we're, they won't admit that to us, then we're kind of in this limbo land again, right? That's the thing. They have it both ways. They say you have to get vaccinated, but then they say themselves, I mean, the CEO of Pfizer is saying what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get it every year like the flu shot. I mean, that's not us, a conspiracy or whatever. This is the CEO of Pfizer. So if I wanted to be a schlepper for the government corporate complex and just believe in everything they believe, I don't even know how to do that. I'm not sure which narrative it is. But I think broadly with the mutations, there's a couple of important points on that. Number one, a lot of doctors feel it's the opposite, that to vaccinate during a time when it's still around is unprecedented. And that could create some sort of adverse selection where the virus becomes particularly um, mutates against what you're vaccinating for. So if you're worried about that, they actually say the opposite. And a lot of very smart people, virologists have said that. Um, But but more broadly, there's no evidence that the mutations are a problem. Um, Look, I'm with you. Increasingly, I think this was synthetic and maybe synthetic things could violate the rules of virology and mutate in a more... um, uh, harsh way, mm-hmm. which is against the way it usually does. Mm-hmm. But there's no evidence of that. I mean, they they all said the B one one seven, the the Eng, the Kent English right. variant, the was, UK variant. So yeah. like that's like measles territory in terms of transmission. And dude, it, there's not there's zero deaths in England. Mm-hmm. In England, there's there's nothing going on in America where it's the dominant thing. Um, it's 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 dead now. Um, and, and the places where you saw late hits. Brazil or India had nothing to do with the Brazilian variant. It was that they were massive countries that didn't have two full waves that hit everywhere, which is what we seem to need to reach saturation. So they 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 had it because, you know, regardless of the variant, places that had the new variants but had herd immunity because they had two full waves like England didn't have anything. Clearly, they're not registering. And and it's just it's not much of a factor. 30 seconds. That's all the time I have. How on brand is it for Republicans to salvage Liz Cheney for weeks beyond her usefulness, take on all kinds of added extra damage from their own base for doing so. And then after taking on that added needless damage, finally dispatching her only to replace her with Elise Stefanik, who couldn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts. 30 seconds, brother. I'll give you the last you word. You stole my thunder, and, and also at least Stefanik voted to overrule Trump's emergency declaration at the border and deny him the funding for the border wall, uh, <laughs> blocked his plan for drilling in the East Gulf of Mexico, voted for a bill that would have forced him to stay in the Paris uh, Treaty, obviously big tranny supporter and all that stuff. Um, look, that is the uh, epitome of the of the Republicans, because, again, it's not a Liz Cheney problem. The GOP is the problem. Liz Cheney is a feature, not a bug. She's the rule, not the exception. They're all like that in leadership up and down the state and federal uh, totem pole. And some are even worse, like in the case of Elise Stefanik. So we're learning all the wrong lessons. Good to see you as always, my friend. Thank you for the woe and lamentation. We appreciate it. Thank you. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel brought to you by our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. What if I told you you could potentially uh, improve your health, boost energy, support a healthy heart in just a couple of minutes per day? Field of Greens, unlike other superfoods because it uses real USDA 
organic fruits and vegetables packed with antioxidants. Field of Greens can support heart health, metabolism, blood pressure, and digestion with its pre and probiotics. Great for everyone in your family, young, old, if you got an athlete in the family as well. Making Field of Greens part of your daily routine. Super simple. Just put one scoop in any water-based drink, stir it up, and you're done. And unlike other nutritious drinks, which rely on only one vegetable, Field of Greens is packed with 18 clinically researched fruits and vegetables. If you want to give this a shot, go to BrickHouseSteve.com right now uh, and get going with the easiest and fastest way to help you start living healthier. BrickHouseSteve.com. Get 15% off your first order right now with the promo code Steve at checkout. Promo code Steve at checkout for BrickHouseSteve.com. Comments on Daniel and I's conversation just now. Well, obviously, I have no idea what Daniel was going to say when he comes on the show, and you heard him echo me and my comments on vaccination and whether this vaccine is working almost exactly. Uh, And you should be asking questions about what that means in light of what the president just got done saying in Aaron's uh, montage about, you're going to die, Denethor, you know, get the vaccine or die. We, We know based on the data that that's nonsense. So the magical thinking on this and what working means, you should not be taking their word for it. I think when it comes to the vaccine conversation, what what bothers me the most is that I see a lot of people who frankly should know better. Who would probably never make this argument about any other thing that involved um, um, a reasonable risk now reasonable doesn't mean huge but reasonable means understanding that like yes there's it's an understandable risk of, mm-hmm. of whatever activity make it so personal and so um pejorative to people who don't get the vaccine because my my entire frustration even before covid my entire frustration just as todd's friend watching the way that some people uh, will, will come at him with vaccines is if you can't look me in the eye honestly and tell me with 100 percent certainty, 100 percent certainty that something that you're going to take inject into your body will not harm you. There needs to be room for grace, but there's never, never room for grace. You are called anti-science, anti-vaxxer. Uh, there was somebody the other day who essentially made the connection that if you don't take the vaccine, you hate, hate Indians because they're going through a spike right now. Right. Uh, it's never, it, it's always the mark of something f- uh, something resembling a cult when their main objection to your objection is emotionalism. Yay, man, to that. And cults abound uh, these days. That'll do it for today's program. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.